moving your body in intuitive ways are going to help you achieve that natural birth. And then your breath, like going back to your breath with every single contraction and having that deep relaxation breath is actually going to decrease your fear and pain and tension and help just you to relax and to really breathe the baby out. And so there are a ton of external tools that you can use, but I think it can be nice to know that like you have everything within you in order to do that. Welcome back to the Learning to Mom podcast, mom friend. If you are new here, then my name is Layla, your mom friend, here to inform and educate you on pregnancy and birth so that way you can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed. Today's episode is all about how to have a natural birth in the hospital with Sammy from Unshaken Wellness. It's so good, so let's dive right in. I know we have a lot of information to uncover today, but if you don't mind, could you start off and just kind of share like your heart behind what you do, who you are, how you got started, kind of give um, the listeners some scoop. Yes. Sounds great. So I am a registered nurse and I fell in love with all things birth and preparing for my baby girl's birth. And, you know, so I prepared really hard for that. Um, did a ton of research at a birth class myself and was able to successfully have a natural hospital birth. And I thought I really want to help other women do this. And so I created my business really with that mission in mind to help women just really understand their bodies, understand how the natural physiological process of birth works and how to advocate for themselves in the hospital, because it can be really challenging. And so it's been a blessing so far. I've loved really working with all my clients and yeah, it's just been a really fun journey. So that's kind of my heart behind, behind the business. Awesome. Okay. So you assist women when they are pregnant, kind of empowering them to have natural hospital births specifically. Yes. Yep. Okay. And, um, it can be, that's not to say I couldn't work with other women that want that are doing a home birth or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see a lot of women that actually had traumatic birth experiences with their first baby. And, you know, they really just want to dive in a little bit more and get some answers of like, why maybe did this or that happen? Can we just kind of like help me heal and process and like, look at a couple things that did happen in my first birth. And then let's kind of pick that apart and decide how to like mitigate that from happening here in the future. I love that it's specific to hospital births. Um, well, you know, as you did just say that it could be other cases as well, but like the, the majority of your resources being around the hospital, because what I noticed was like, I was definitely interested in having a natural hospital birth, Mm -hmm. but all of most of the resources that I was finding out there was like how to have a home birth, you know? And I was like, no, like I still want to be in a hospital. That's where I feel comfortable. Um, and so I just think what you're doing is great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I feel like too, being a nurse has really aided me in that journey because like I have this unique experience of like, I was taught, I know what's offered. I'm up to date on the ACOG, you know, guidelines and recommendations. Now, whether or not a provider or a nurse necessarily follows that, um, we're not sure because some hospitals will be different. Right. And they're not really held to or abided by that, but it's just great that I know this and then I can tell you so that, you know, really what should be happening in this experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, (laughs) so I guess diving right into it, kind of one of my questions that I have for you, Sammy is, I guess (laughs) if you could speak to someone who, you know, just maybe isn't very 
comfortable or interested in having a hospital birth and they're like, why in the world would anyone even want a natural birth in the hospital? Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. So I would first start out by saying it's really good to discern within themselves where they feel most comfortable giving birth. I think that there's a lot of shame in today's, you know, crunchy world of like, if you do this, it's wrong. Or if you do that, it's right. And I feel like it's really just knowing what works best for you and your personality and your comfort level. I think a lot of women, you know, it's just like the norm and it is trending the other way, but they may be like, this is just kind of what you do. And what I would say to them first off is you really have to go in prepared and not put all of our trust in kind of what's going on in our bodies and what's happening to us and the baby into the medical professionals, because unfortunately, a lot of times they may not have um, your best interest in mind or not even understand really what it would be best for an unmedicated or low intervention birth. And so I would just tell them it's possible and you may just have to fight for it and you'll just have to be really educated and then that will produce the best outcomes Um, and just how important education is in that process. So um, making sure that we're not going in, you know, blindly and just expecting good outcomes because unfortunately that doesn't happen in most cases. So when you talk about, you know, the best outcomes, Could you give us some insight into like, what are those outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the best outcomes are definitely ones where undue like stress and harm and just, uh, you know, interventions aren't happening to mom or baby. So what we see most is when we start giving interventions to mom and baby, um, or mom, and I guess in the beginning, you know, that more, um, kind of repercussions and implications come from that, right? Or more implications come from that. So if they get offered like an epidural and they feel like they really need that to help cope with their pain because they haven't been educated on prior pain techniques, then they'll need IV fluids, their blood pressure, you know, can change causing more stress on baby. They're monitored more frequently. And a lot of times nurses and medical professionals can be just hyper-focused on that. And so really it's just becomes more and more invasive throughout. Um, Starting from right when you get there, you know, like cervical checks can cause infections. And that's one of the first things that they'll do. So I guess it's just unwanted harm really, or like, for instance, lot of women, if they get epidurals, they can't feel how hard they're pushing necessarily. So it can increase risk of tearing it. And I think a lot of women don't really understand that. And so tearing would be a perfect example of, you know, just an unwanted outcome versus the outcomes we do want is just really what I believe is God's design of this natural process where you don't need these medications or these interventions to birth your baby. Your body actually already knows exactly how to do so. And then another like kind of unwanted, obviously harm would be a C-section. So once we start doing these interventions, it can lead to a major abdominal surgery. For sure. Kind of in that, I'm curious, what do you think are some of the misconceptions that people have around natural births? Ooh, I love this question because I think it's just so funny that people are like, well, you don't get a medal. Do you think you're so tough? Like, why do you, why do you need to have a natural birth? Like there's all these things we have now that, you know, just, you don't have to have pain. You can just lay yeah. there and push your baby out and it's fine. And, and it's really a society and a cultural thing. If you ask me, like we avoid pain at all costs. Right. And I think there's can be beauty in certain 
certain pain. Right. And I think that pain isn't for anything, right. It's to, to open and release and to birth another human into this Mm -hmm. world. And so I think that's a common misconception is like that people do this because they feel like they're stronger or, um, more holy or better equipped to do it naturally. When really the reason behind a natural birth should be that, you know, going into this, if you are focused on a natural birth and a low intervention birth, especially in the hospital setting, like you are going to have a better birth and better birth outcomes and less harm for you and baby overall. Absolutely. Now there is a time and place for certain medical interventions. Absolutely. When they can be life-saving and things like that. But the second that we start intervening are when things can kind of go downhill and that cascade of interventions can happen. And also, you know, people who are kind of hesitant about natural birth, I would say, it is so empowering to just know and trust that your body can do this. And it's kind of like the first thing, your first right of motherhood, right? So it can feel so strengthening once you've done that to be like, Oh my gosh, like I just did this. I didn't have to have a ton of help from anyone else. It was, it was really just me tuning inward, working with my own body to, um, to bring this precious child into the world. And so I think that is kind of two things about natural birth that I think are really people have misconceptions about. For sure. I, I think too, or at least I see like in my own life, def- the only time prior to giving birth myself that I was exposed is Hollywood's version of yeah. birth. So it's, you know, the screaming, the just, you know, like it happening super quick. Like as soon as contractions start, like the baby is there, you're giving birth yes. on the highway. Like- yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We, it's such a disservice. And I think that's why another reason why I'm just so blessed to do this work is I, the lack of education truly, um, in hospital birth settings really does a disservice to women because it takes control away from them and really gives it to people who maybe they haven't even met before. Cause sometimes, you know, you go in and they doctors share care now. So whoever's delivering your baby yeah. has never met you. And I think, um, you know, it's, it is just, yeah, like, <laughs> It's just such a disservice, the lack of education and the hospital birth course, birth, like, um, classes. I mean, I remember when I was preparing for my daughter, I was like, Hey, what's out there for me? Um, you know, I already felt pretty comfortable being a nurse and learning all that, but I was like, well, what do they want me specifically to know? Um, and it basically just gave me a tour of the birthing center and told me like when and where to go. And that was it. And it's really sad because you're like, there's so much more to know. <laughs> yeah. And you, especially coming from a nurse, like you've seen it, you know, and you're like, and you are better off than 99% of the women that walk through those doors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and it takes time and it takes investment, you know, you like, because it's not offered free through a lot of hospital settings. Um, you really do have to, it's like worth all the money in the world, I believe, but it's, you do have to invest in it because, um, it's unfortunate that the free courses don't offer all you need to know. And now it's funny though, because I've seen a lot of courses that have like they basically give you like a PhD in, in childbirth. And you're like, I don't need to know like all the things, right? Because it's like, you do need to know very specific things about birth. But really what I focus on is like, what's going to be offered, what interventions will you be offered, how to discern whether or not you want them and yeah. how to just come in with a plan. Because it's, it is really specific about what you don't want and what you want and kind of advocating for those. Hey, it's me, Layla, your mom friend. If we've been mom friends on Instagram for a while now, then you probably remember when I asked you for recommendations of things to drink instead of coffee. Coffee was just giving me a lot of anxiety throughout the day, and I was looking 
looking for healthier alternatives. Well, lo and behold, pregnancy came into my life and I have not been the same since. And no, I'm not pregnant, but I definitely will make sure I'm drinking these during my pregnancy and postpartum journeys as well. Truly, they're the most delicious teas. Like, and I, this is really kind of the first time that I've become a tea drinker and they have changed me. I've been drinking the Organic Lady Nora and the Organic Hazel Morning Mate blends a lot, but I really love that their teas help reduce water retention and inflammation, help tone my uterus, and even support milk supply postpartum. Go check out their blends at www.organicpregnantea.com. That's organicpregnantea.com. The link is in the episode show notes for your convenience. So how should one, or I guess just give us an overview for how people should prepare for a natural hospital birth, you know, if their hospitals aren't giving them those resources. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a good birth course or one-on-one coaching is huge. And specifically in that, what I really would like every woman going in through those doors to know is, um, first of all, just like an, an overview of of the birth process, what they're going to feel like at each stage, ways to keep labor progressing naturally without any like outside medications, whether that be walking or changing position, or there's like a ton of things. So like yeah. these are our tools, right? How to manage those, those pains and um, naturally. So that's kind of with the umbrella term of like, this is birth, this is what to expect. And this is how you're going to manage it without pharmaceuticals, without any intervention to help get that better outcome. And then the other thing I really think women need to know when preparing is obviously having a birth plan. So creating that with your coach, with your um, educational program, making sure that it is typed out and that it's probably like one page and bringing it with you. And then the other thing is having a doula or having your spouse completely understand your plan and your preferences and what you want. And so that kind of comes in the birth education part where you're, you're learning about birth and its natural process. You're learning about the interventions that are going to be offered to you. You're learning tools as to how to discern whether or not you want them. So let's say one is offered to you. You could say, use your brain as a big one that I like to use. So like, what are the benefits? What are the risks? Are there any alternatives? Um, what are the implications and can we watch and wait? So like things like that, teaching that to clients is huge. And then lastly, having really good communication with your provider. And so that's something that I really like to offer. And I think is unique to my work is I always give clients, um, action items or follow-up items to make sure that they are asking their provider very specific questions about their birth plan and their birth preferences, um, that, keeps the communication between them and their provider, because while I can educate on blue in the face, it really is going to be them and their provider there. And so that communication is really key. Are you talking about um, questions to ask like during birth or during your OB appointments? During your OB visits. So like, for example, like asking, do you, is standard of care at your facility delayed cord clamping? Do you wait until the cord stops pulsing? Like just kind of already doing that. And then that will obviously be in your birth plan, but I think asking upfront helps you to interview your provider, understand that they practice evidence-based medicine and knowing that you can fire them at any time. Like if you don't feel comfortable with what they're offering or what they're wanting to do to you. So I feel like that interviewing process and that getting to know them and, and asking them powerful questions is huge throughout your birth education journey, because, um, it really is a lot about 
them. Now, while they may not be the ones in the room, that's where your spouse advocacy and your birth plan yeah. comes in. Because you want to ask them questions about them, but also at the facility. So the one that you're giving birth, like, do you guys allow an uninterrupted golden hour? Do you do delayed cord, cl- cord clamping? Um, and things like that. Yeah, are really important to just add to and to facilitate um uh you know a really positive outcome for your birth. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, so you just spoke a lot on, you know, how education and mentally preparing is so important. Are there any things maybe physically that women should be doing in pregnancy, you know, with, if they have the end goal of going natural? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it is like a marathon. So it's good that you asked that question because not only mentally and physically preparing or mentally preparing with education, but physically a couple of things I always tell my clients is, you know, moving your body, whether it's walking or like a pre-approved workout from your physician, they always say like, if you haven't done, you know, if you don't do a ton of cardio or weightlifting, or you don't do X, Y, Z, don't, and then don't start that during your pregnancy. So, but you pretty much can maintain anything you're already doing, but any movement is just going to be really good to help strengthen your pelvic floor, strengthen your core muscles, strengthen your leg muscles, you know, for that, that pushing phase. And so, you know, Pilates can be great. Like I said, walking, stretching, things like that. Nutrition wise, we definitely want to have a ton of protein. Protein just helps us have like really healthy tissues and then hydration for that stretching process. Um, as you're pushing baby out is definitely key because hydrated tissues stretch a lot easier. Okay. And I love how you just simplify it because I think, you know, there's just so many resources out and it's so easy to get really overwhelmed with like, I need to be eating, you know, only this or only this type of food. And, you know, it's just like really not sustainable. And a lot of us don't feel great during pregnancy anyway. And then you're just like making yourself, I guess, even more miserable. So let's say, you know, someone is, you know, educated, they're physically prepared and they show up at the hospital. What do you think perhaps would be some of the most common reasons that you see someone like that or see someone, see a woman who wants to do it naturally, ends up having interventions Yeah, kind of outside of the medically necessary um, reasons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I would, I will share like, even with my personal experience, and I think this happens to a ton of women is, you know, it's one thing to go in with the plan. It's another thing to be ready to fight for it. I say that like with the utmost respect for the medical profession, because unfortunately it's just a lack in their education or their standard to practice what they're used to. So you will be offered a ton of interventions, like from the second you get to the hospital. And so I think that's probably the biggest reason why a lot of women are unable to follow through is it feels like you're kind of fighting a giant here. The first one that's offered is that cervical check. And then the second one, I know right when I got there was an epidural. And I was like, you know, that's not part of my plan. I was dilated to a seven. I was like, I'm almost there. I really don't feel like I want an epidural. And the nurse kind of was like, well, aren't you tired? And And like the verbiage that they use, like, doesn't feel very empowering to your plan Um, because I think women haven't came with birth plans for that long. Right. I feel like this is kind of a new wave of women that are like educated on their bodies and want to fight for the birth that they want. Um, And so those interventions that are offered to you, you know, you'll have to say no a lot. And I put empowered responses in my, in my PowerPoints and I make sure the spouses know them because it's so important to be empowered in that decision. Like, no, thank you. That's not part of my birth plan or 
if they say, I want to give you um, an epidural because you're not relaxing enough for your cervix dilating for baby to come out or baby is stressed because you're stressed. Like they, they may say things like that. And I think having a response, like, you know, is my baby okay? Can we watch and wait? Can we try like a le- uh, you know, less invasive method of trying to fix this before we go to these medications, such as like a position change or, you know, like walking or deep breath if I'm not focusing on that. And so I think the first thing is just over offering of interventions from the hospital staff and being empowered to handle that. Second reason I would say would be like women not being able to trust their bodies and how long Mm. that process takes. So rushing, unfortunately, you know, like the hospitals are paid by insurance companies and insurance companies make more money when people are in and out of these beds and practice hasn't necessarily changed with physicians like kind of taking birth, you know, slowly and being like, okay, we're just going to kind of let this woman do her thing with the time that she needs. And so I think a lot of women don't have natural births because they're rushed throughout the process, whether it be rushed to start having their baby via induction, rushed to dilate quicker with Pitocin. I think knowing that there really should not be any rush as long as everything's okay with you and baby and arriving to the hospital, like as late as you, as late as you can really to avoid that rush and avoid them offering those interventions and, or think about it. Like you're rushed almost in every phase of, of labor. So like not even just the dilating, but afterwards, you know, as the doctor is delivering the placenta, they may rush the delivery of the placenta because if they have to go off and go do a C-section, they can't leave that room until the placenta has been delivered. And so I think advocating is the best thing for all of those, because you might not be able to keep saying no to all these interventions. So having your spouse understand or a doula present is huge because you may not want to tell them, Hey, can we not rush this delivery? Right. Hey, can, I don't want Pitocin. I don't want an epidural. <laughs> if you're a little bit crunchy like me, which I would assume you are because heck you're listening to this episode about natural birth, then you are going to love baby Babygenix offers a wide variety of natural, handmade, organic products from belly butters to diaper creams, perennial spray, organic, unscented baby wash. I'm telling you, Babygenix is where it's at. Their primary focus is on making safe, effective products made with minimal ingredients. Don't worry, their ingredients have been carefully selected and evaluated, and their products are made using organic certified ingredients, poured into sustainable packaging like glass bottles or jars whenever feasible. You're going to want to check them out at babygenicsbymadison.com. You can thank me later. Their link is in the episode show notes below. What about... um? You know, I mean, we've talked so much about um, the different interventions that they may be. So like to someone who may not be aware, could you just touch on maybe like the fact that you could say yes to one thing and no to another, you know? Yeah. Like it's not all or nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where knowing the implications of them is is really big. So let's talk about maybe the first thing, they'll insert an IV in the hospital. Now that's usually policy. They want an IV and that is an intervention because they're, you know, putting a catheter in your arm and usually putting IV fluids through it. And so like, that could be something that you can say yes to because you're like, it's a just in case thing. And even though I'm not planning to get any medications through it, if, the, if it makes them feel better, I'm not fighting for that. And it's, it's, oh, I see. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal to me to just have it. 
However, with that being said, you may say no to, you know, fluids or an epidural or Pitocin that may go through that IV um, because you know that that will lead to other interventions and even like less movement. So you may, you can have an IV and it can be a saline lock. It doesn't have to be attached to anything. So yeah, sure. You had that intervention or you got a cervical check when you got to the hospital because you wanted to see how dilated you were. Right. Like thought that motivating, like that would be okay. Right. If you say yes to that, but that doesn't mean you have to say yes to all the other ones leading down the road as you're there. An example too, is like, yeah, with the IV in having more movement, just don't have it attached to anything. So you can move around. Yeah. Uh, another example is like fetal monitoring. So, you know, a lot of hospitals won't make you do it continuously now, which is great because they can listen to baby, then they can take it off and you're free to kind of move around and you don't have to be attached to all these wires. So I think it's a perfect example of like the IV or the fetal monitoring to say, of course you can monitor my baby, but can we do it intermittently and not continuously? And then- I wish I could have heard all of this when I was pregnant, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good. I know it's like, well, it's like, it's, it's good that you say that, I guess, to show that it's, and I'm sorry, you didn't get that experience, but to show that it is so needed because I have talked with so many first time moms that are just like, can I just show up? And I don't need, you know, I don't have time or whatever it is to invest in all this. They trust their hospital birth prep. That's like, it's yeah. so, so hard. Yeah. And I think so often, or at least in my, in my birth, wasn't necessarily like, we're going to put this IV in you. Is that okay? Do you agree? It was yeah. like, now we're going to do this. And now we're doing this. And it to me as a first time mom, it was like, this is policy. This is what they do. This is yeah. what everyone is doing. This is just how it's done. Instead yeah. of, I, I didn't feel that I, I guess was able to like make those choices. It was just like, yep, here's the IV. Awesome. Here's my arm. Yes, exactly. It's if you are going to consent to these interventions, it's like, how can we still create the best experience possible? What do we still need to do and make sure you're doing to create your best birth possible with those interventions? Yeah. Okay. No, that's a great, like a great tip. Sumi, another question that I have for you um, is just why or what are some things that women need to consider in choosing a medicated birth versus a natural birth? Um, you know, so they find out they're pregnant and they're overwhelmed with all this information. And it's like, what am I going to do? Because people will start asking you like ASAP, you know, like, oh, are you going to do natural? I did natural. Oh, I couldn't even handle that. I had to do the epidural. I walk into the hospital and I'm like, give me the needle. So, (laughs) So what are some things, yeah, that women need to consider in choosing medicated versus natural? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things is kind of what I we had talked about earlier as far as like getting the medal and being like, okay, maybe you don't get that, but just maybe knowing and kind of understanding the implications of a medicated birth first, right? Like maybe just starting there and being like, okay, okay so if I want a medicated birth, what might that look like for me? What could be the outcomes of that? So maybe talking to other women that had a medicated birth and ask them their experiences. Mm-hmm. All too often, while it can be good, help manage your pain. And there are like times for those interventions, just like knowing like, oh, like what, what might that mean for me? And then just if you are kind of leaning more towards a natural birth, knowing how much preparation that does take, not yeah. even just with advocacy, but just kind of understanding how to prepare your mind and body and have the tools that you need to really follow through with that unmedicated birth and manage the pain naturally. 
Yeah. And then if you are doing a medicated birth, what's great. And what I like to tell my clients is like, if you're doing a medicated birth, know when the time and place to get those interventions. Mm, Like if you really think that you want an epidural, you really should be waiting until you are in active labor, because if you don't wait until you are in active labor, it could stall labor. And then we get back to the rushing thing, right? You're not dilating quick enough. You are baby's not in a good position and interventions, more intervention. So understanding kind of like the best time to get those medications. If that's something that um, is in your birth plan and that you do want. So a follow-up question that I have to that then Sammy is, you know, there's so much research or maybe not research, I don't know, information out there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and as someone who is not a medical person, a lot of, a lot, I can't just like pull up a, a journal and be like, Oh, this makes sense. Yes. Uh, um. So I guess what are some reliable resources that if there are any that people could check out to kind of understand like is pitocin even what i want or you know like are opioids safe and just you know things like that yeah absolutely i love evidence-based birth um they just have a lot of blog articles and research like i guess like one page educational documents that again, ties in the research links, the actual articles for you. If you want to look, um, even though they do paraphrase it, I need the paraphrasing. Yes. Yes, Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I will say just kind of like a side note to that is I think it's, it's really important to still have discernment and prayer with God on Mm. what you feel like is best as far as your decisions, because while somebody may have this evidence and there's always, there always can be conflicting evidence, right? Whether it be on like a medication or an injection, whatever that is. And so I guess just kind of like reading into that, but also understanding what feels best for you and for your family and making okay. a decision yeah. kind of with those two parallels, like the research. And then what do you feel like feels best for you and, and your body and your family? So, yeah. Aww. No, I know I've, spend a lot of time with you today. I so appreciate it. Um, Yeah, of course. (laughs) One of the final questions that I have for you, Zumi, because I know that your faith is so important to you. So how, how does one spiritually prepare for birth? Yeah, absolutely. So I think from the very beginning, you can um, pray for your birth, pray for your baby um, and have your spouse do the same. I think that's really important for like connecting and things as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, leading up to the birth and, and actually during the birth process, I think it can be amazing to have some sort of like imagery, whether it's a crucifix or like an image that brings you peace to just sort of like gaze on during those painful contractions, um, something else to focus on. Another really good idea is to have people send you prayer intentions or have your own prayer intentions. It can be such a beautiful way to like offer cool. up that suffering. Um, and as you're going through contraction, you can read them, your husband can read them, or you can just dedicate your whole birth to something. And you can, you know, bring a rosary into your birth if you are Catholic, but you can listen to Christian podcast or, you know, like a a meditation or playlist. (laughs) There are so many ways, but I think one of those things is just like bringing God into the space wherever you are can be so incredibly helpful when you're, when you really just have to surrender to him and you can't do it anymore on your own because that time will come. And so just that reminder is really helpful. Yeah. Those are beautiful ways, especially (laughs) being able to unite your suffering to Christ. Um, And I love the idea of having those like prayer requests in there. And like really what's so beautiful about that is it kind of takes that pain and turns it into purpose. Right. Oh yeah. It's so beautiful. That's so good. As women, like 
we're so intimately called and invited into this story of God. What better way to do that than to like bear children and bring them into this world. And just like knowing that that's going to better prepare you for heaven, I think is just huge. Right. Like, and I feel like it's just honestly makes it looks at it more as like an honor than like a burden because you're like, wow, like this suffering isn't anything compared to like what Jesus did for me on the cross. And that was something that really helped me with my birth was like, I was just pacing, walking back and forth, walking back and forth. And I kept just like staring at this crucifix. That was actually my great grandma's. And I was like, it just like carried me through because I was like, okay, this is really painful, but like, it's not near as painful as that type of suffering. Um, and it's so, it can be so redemptive if you look at it that way. I I love that. Like truly, <laughs> that is really beautiful. And I yeah. love having that mindset. Real quickly, that was going to yes. be one of my last questions, but now I have another one. Okay, no problem. Um, <laughs> you know, you're talking about like you I can can bring your rosary about. in, um, yeah. like prayer cards, things like that. What are perhaps some other items, not necessarily religious, but like, you know, essential oils or things like that, that you perhaps could bring in if you're planning on having a natural hospital birth, you know, that yeah. maybe the hospital doesn't provide for you, but would be beneficial for you to bring in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So most hospitals will have birth balls, but you definitely want to utilize that a ton. Um, so for a natural birth, so if okay. you, because we want to kind of have that perfect balance between resting and movement. So if you're on a birth ball and you're bouncing, you're swaying your hip side to side, you're still getting that really good movement in and getting baby in an optimal position, but you're also not running around or walking. It's kind of like that mix. So birth ball is huge, um, heat. So like they, they should have like a hot heating pad or something, but on the lower back can be really beneficial. Um, like you said, essential oils can be really helpful to either and like a diffuser or you can just stab some like lavender oil or whatever on a cotton ball and just smell that, if that sounds good to you. Um, and then really like Oh, and a peanut ball can be really good too, especially mm-hmm. if you're in bed or have an epidural. If you're kind of moving side to side to have one of your legs elevated um, on a peanut ball is, is good. But again, most hospitals uh, may have that. Okay. But um, really the best tools, like aside from heat, like a warm shower, essential oils, you know, massage or counter pressure from your doula or spouse are all internal. And that's, I feel like what's really beautiful because it's like, okay, I have to train my body and mind. So it's moving your body in intuitive ways are going to help you achieve that natural birth. And then your breath, like going back to your breath with every single contraction and having that deep relaxation breath is actually going to decrease your fear and pain and tension and help just you to relax and to really breathe the baby out. And so there are a ton of external tools that you can use, but I think it can be nice to know that like you have everything within you in order to do that. While those external things can be, can be really helpful. Like another, another external one could be like a comb or something to grab and like kind of defer that pain. So a lot, or like that distraction. So people have a comb or something and they'll grab it during a contraction and kind of feel that pain within their hand. And it kind of distracts them from the contractions and things that are going on. No, those are really great tools. I'm sure that a lot of women listening will for sure be like, okay, I need need to make sure I got that. Yeah. My final last question. I I so appreciate your time today. I learned so much. I know that other first time moms will learn a ton too. So I got to ask 
how can people find you? I'm sure so many will be so interested since this was just jam packed with really great nuggets of information. Absolutely. Um, so my website, uh, is unshakenwellness.com and you can go there and check out my services or book a free consult, which will be, um, just a conversation between me and you to know your birth plan and, um, kind of your preferences and just see if it's a good fit. And if I can serve you in the way that you need, um, and then I'm also on Instagram at unshaken underscore RN birth coach. All right. Awesome. Another podcast episode in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. Now I know you're reaching for your phone right this instant as you try to look for a playlist or another podcast episode to listen to. Here's what you want to do though. You want to click the subscribe button since you're looking at your phone right now. It's either a little subscribe or a follow button, depending on where you're listening to this podcast at. That way you never miss a future episode. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.